From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, treating myopic CNV. 21 of the 22 eyes, so that's more than 95%, and a visual improvement of um, at least one line. First this. In order to provide medical education free of commercial bias, as seen from here requires a financial interest disclosure before any podcast program. Dr. Lai declares no real or apparent conflicts of interest. No single department of ophthalmology has the best lecturers in every field. Open Ophthalmology is a meta-school in which lecturers from different departments have access to ophthalmology residents everywhere. I've seeded this marketplace of ideas with my own course on clinical optics. Who's your department's best lecturer? Let me know and come visit us at openophthalmology.com. Open Ophthalmology. Let a hundred flowers bloom. Choroidal neovascularization can be a devastating complication in an elderly patient with AMD. How much more tragic if the patient is young and the CNV is associated with pathological myopia? New anti-VEGF therapies are making great inroads in the treatment of neovascular AMD, but will these therapies work in the context of myopic degeneration? Timothy Lai returns to a scene from here to talk to us about intravitreal bevucizumab for the treatment of myopic choroidal neovascularization. Tim, welcome back to a scene from here. What is the pathophysiology of choroidal neovascularization in the context of pathological myopia? Well, um, exactly the reason why um, the CNV happens is uh, not very certain, but uh, it's been shown to um, occur in uh, patients with um, bricks in the Brooks membrane and also in um, patients with um, atrophic areas of the um, of the myopic uh, degeneration. And sometimes it also occurs at, um, at the macular and lacrimal cracks, but um, it's um, not very, very certain exactly uh, why what happens. What is the natural history of this disease? Well, um, the natural history is uh, generally rather poor because uh, um, a lot of patients will have uh, gradual uh, visual loss due to recurrent episodes of um, uh, macular hemorrhage and uh, the CME uh, uh, growing and then um, causing some scarring and formation. So um, even uh, with um, previous um, previously without any treatment, so uh, the patients can experience some uh, gradual deterioration in vision. What are the conventional therapies for choroidal neovascularization associated with pathological myopia? Well, um, the conventional therapy would uh, be um, uh, by photodynamic therapy with vertiporphin, PDT. Um, it's been shown by the uh, vertiporphin in photodynamic therapy study or the VIP study that um, with the use of um, PDT, you can um, reduce the amount of pa- the proportion of patients who will develop moderate visual loss. So um, the convention would be um, using PDT um, for uh, treatment of uh, uh, CMD due to pathological myopia. And there are also other therapies you can consider as well. For example, um, you can consider performing um, macular surgery, but um, but uh, the outcome sometimes uh, is very variable. And uh, it's also been attempted to use um, direct uh, laser uh, photocoagulation for these uh, lesions, but uh, it's been shown to be not useful because of um, 
the scarring formation and also the expansion of the scar after the therapy. So um, we don't um, consider using thermal laser for these cases. Tim, what role does VEGF play in pathological myopia? After all, these are not hypoxic maculae. Well, as you know, um, um, the um, neovascularization process uh, is dependent on VEGF. And there were some uh, studies showing that um, this increased uh, expression of VEGF in patients with um, pathologic myopia with CMV. So um, if we can uh, uh, find a way to block the VEGF, so probably um, the new vessel can stop uh, growing. And uh, that's precisely um, what we try to do in this study. Prior to your study, had the use of anti-VEGF agents in pathological myopia been published? Yes, uh, there's been uh, um, two retrospective studies, one by uh, Dr. Yamamoto's group and another by uh, Dr. Sakaguchi's group. And both uh, of those studies found uh, fa- favorable results. Um, they used um, in vitro um, evastin or bevacizumab um, to treat these cases. Tim, can I get you to describe the design of your study? Well, um, this study is a prospective pilot study, and uh, we basically um, performed um, three initial monthly injections of Avastin into the patient. So the patient uh, will get the first injection at uh, month zero, and then another injection at month one, and then another injection at month two. And um, so after that, we perform repeat uh, forcing angiography uh, at month three to determine whether there's um, persistent leakage um, from the CMV or not. If there's still persistent leakage, we give the patients three more additional injections. So this is a short-term pilot study of uh, six months. And um, we also performed um, EPDRS visual acuity testing and also performed um, uh, optical coherence tomography to um, look at the macro thickness in these patients. So the final um, outcome measures would be visual acuity, uh, OCT, and also uh, the fluorescein angiography um, findings. What were your results? What were your findings? All right. Um, basically, we research, uh, recruited about uh, 22 eyes um, in 22 patients. So all patients had unilateral disease. And um, the mean um, age of the patients was uh, 40, around 46 years. And the mean spherical equivalent of the patients was minus 10 diopters, and it ranged from minus 6 to up to minus 18. So these are pretty myopic patients. After the treatment, um, the uh, initial baseline visual acuity of these patients was uh, around uh, LOGMA 0.6, which is uh, a sexual equivalent of 2080. And uh, just after one single injection of uh, Avastin, the mean uh, visual acuity improved to um, 0.43 on the uh, LOGMA scale, which is uh, 2053. And then uh, at six months, um, the improvement uh, further improved to 0.35 on the LOGMA scale, which is uh, equivalent to uh, 20 over 45. So it's uh, um, quite a significant improvement with a p-value of uh, less than 0.001. And the mean improvement was 2.6 lines and it ranged from uh, minus three lines to um, seven lines. So this is um, the visual result. And when you look at the proportion of the patients with visual gain, um, 21 of the 22 eyes, so that's uh, more than 95%, had a visual improvement of uh, at least one line. 
And uh, if you um, use a more stringent criteria of two or more lines of improvement, um, around uh, 68% of lines, so that's 15 of 22, had uh, such a visual improvement of two or more lines. Were any adverse events observed? We encountered one patient who lost um, three lines um, in the study due to persistency and uh, despite having six uh, virtual injections uh, during the study period. But otherwise, um, basically just the the patient not responding to therapy, but otherwise for the complications, we did not encounter any complications such as um, uh, the most concern would be erectile detachment because these are um, myopic eyes. And also, we did not encounter any um, inflammation or any anophthalmitis in these cases. So no serious adverse events was, uh, occurred in these cases. How do your data compare with those of previous anti-VEGF studies? Yeah, the two retrospective studies, um, the first one is by Dr. Yamamoto's group. Um, the um, study showed that um, uh, they recruited uh, 11 eyes, and after treatment, Eight of those eyes uh, had a visual acuity of uh, 20, 50 or better. And, but the follow-up was rather short. Um, it ranged from just a month to six months. And um, the mean improvement was 3.5 lines, so it's slightly better than ours. And then in another study by Dr. Sakaguchi's group, um, they only had eight eyes in the study, but then um, it showed that 75% of eyes had visual improvement of two or more lines. So it's also very good results with the individual investing. How did you arrive at the dose you chose? And was any consideration given to the fact that these are physically large eyes? These are long axial length eyes. Yes. Uh, we basically used the most widely adopted dosage, which is uh, 1.25 milligram of investing. So that's equivalent to uh, 0.05 uh, cc of a Vastin. Uh, and we found that it's uh, quite effective already. Uh, some group may consider using a higher dosage, uh, for example, 2.5 milligrams, but uh, we basically stick with stars, uh, stuff with a um, lower dosage of 1.25 milligrams. How frequently do you anticipate needing to repeat therapy and is this a concern in patients who are a good deal younger than the typical AMD patients? Yes. Um, so these patients, um, usually we, um, the response is uh, quite good because um, in our study, um, only two patients required uh, further additional injections at um, three months. So, um, so, uh, about, so that would be a response rate of uh, 90% of for um, just three injections in these cases and cause the regression or the fibrosis of the CME with no further leakage. But uh, as uh, we follow up these patients, um, we recently presented um, a paper on of the one-year results in the uh, academy meeting. And um, so um, we recruited uh, more eyes in the um, study and um, there were some recurrences um, just one or two recurrences after um, we stopped the therapy at um, six months. Um, so um, so um, we can share with you the results later on, I guess. Tim, outside of this study, what do you do in your own practice with patients with pathological myopia and associated choroidal neovascularization? At the moment, I think uh, these results together with other studies show that um, um, probably uh, in anti-VEGF therapy, it's uh, much more effective compared with um, photodynamic therapy. 
because uh, with these uh, photodynamic therapy, um, you could not uh, get, even in the VIP studies, um, there was only um, um, actually no median change in um, visual acuity, so, um, and you could not achieve such a visual gain. So, uh, because these patients might actually have some uh, pre-existing uh, capillary uh, atrophies and the macula, so if you do photodynamic therapy on them, uh, it might actually um, uh, cause uh, further damage to the capillaries. So that's why the patient may not get the uh, visual improvement. So uh, at the moment, uh, we, uh, um, if the patients are willing to have the anti-reject therapy, then uh, we will use uh, either uh, intravitreal evastin or um, even intravitreal uh, lucentis um, for these cases. Timothy Lai, thank you so much. My pleasure. Nice talking to you again. Timothy Lai is Associate Professor of Ophthalmology in the Department of Ophthalmology and Visual Sciences at the Chinese University of Hong Kong in Hong Kong. His paper, Intravitreal Bevacizumab, Avastin, for Myopic Choroidal Neovascularization, Six-Month Results of a Prospective Pilot Study, appears in the December 2007 issue of Ophthalmology. Ask questions of Dr. Lai or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Call our listener response lines in the United States style area code 646-808-0231. In the United Kingdom dial 020-7558-8275 or Skype J Young MD. Those numbers can be found on our website as seenfromhere.com. As Seen From Here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.